Okay, we are live. Hi, this is William Ramsey. Welcome to William Ramsey Investigates. On today's show, I have a very special guest, a returning guest. If you listen to my show, you know her name, Roberta Glass of the True Crime Report. We've done many shows, but I asked her on to talk about this case that really is bouncing around true crime and all over YouTube, and that is the case of the Moscow Four and the murderer who was allegedly committed the crime, Brian Koberger. And uh, I've been reading up in, in the story and following the story and just a lot of very strange things about this guy and about the event, uh, the four college age people who were murdered on November 13th in the early morning. The, the police guessed that the crimes took place at about 4 to 4.30 a.m. It was Kaylee Goncalves, Madison Mogan, Santa Carnodal, and Ethan Chapin were all murdered. It was very brutal, apparently, um, done with a knife. And uh, Brian Koberger, last name is spelled K-O-H-B-E-R-G-E-R. I think he was arrested December 22nd. He was arraigned just recently, last week. And I have a lot of, if you're watching this on Rockfin, I have a lot of slides and things we can go through, because there is some very strange things around this case, and Roberta says she may not agree with me, so it'll be interesting to see what her thoughts are surrounding this case. So, Roberta, welcome back to the show. Thanks so much. It's always a pleasure. Excellent. So, for people, maybe you can talk kind of like what you did to research this. I was trying to absorb as many YouTube videos and things like that, but it really caught my eye because, from my perspective, there was a murder that happened or a death that happened that supposedly isn't attached to this it was a kid by the name of Hudson Lindau. And I'll show the slides here when we get to him, but he died fairly close to where this event happened within a thousand yards. Like it was within a half mile, a quarter mile close to this downtown of the university of Idaho in Moscow. And he was found next to a lake. It was like the standard SFK things that I've talked about ad nauseum for years of a young man going missing after a party. And he was found and he was at a, frat house that he knew one of the victims this one young man's name uh, chapin was a member of I think sigma chi if i remember and there's a picture of hudson lindau and i'll show this uh, at that party anyway he, he left after the party supposedly drunk and drowned in a river that was the the determination by the police but super suspicious and the fact that it happened in such time proximity to these murders in November to me is very suspicious. So that's why Koberger to me is a curious character. And I'll show you reasons why I think it's even more curious, but we'll get to that. But what is kind of your thoughts and what was your research like looking into these murders? Well, it's very hard to research. Usually I research from the transcripts. And in this case, we have no transcripts and there's a huge ban on reporting and on, on releasing information in this case. So it limits, there's very little information and what that, and there's a huge demand for it. So what that does is it makes a market for anyone who wants to imagine what could have happened. <laughs> and there's a ton of a big audience for that to listen right. to what could have happened. There's a big, Facebook group, right. uh, Brian Koberger's Innocent group wow, already, already formed. Wow. And I think that the, the beginning of this, I've been following this since the beginning. It was shocking murder uh, of four co college students in a place that doesn't see this kind of brutal murder. It really reminded me of the Chicago killings of, of the nurse killings. 
Um, who am I thinking? Of? Oh, I know who this is. Um, Richard no, I, Speck. Richard yeah. Speck. Yeah, really reminded me of that murder. And because there's not a lot of information and a great amount of demand, everybody has a theory. He's got an innocence group already. And it started because the police put out this information that they had no idea who did it. And by six weeks, the public and the victim's families were rightfully really angry with the police. They should be dissatisfied. They should be unhappy. If they, they said, we don't have a clue, we're appealing to the public, we may have an idea about a car. But in the meantime, they were smarter than all of us that they had a big clue who it was. They were tracking Brian Koberger and his dad all the way back from uh, Washington to uh, state to Pennsylvania on their trip and pulling them over. And we've seen some of those dash cam videos are, videos. are, are interesting. Yeah, at least the one with his father is what I'm thinking of. There's also another dash cam video where he's getting pulled over for another offense. But we're uh, his supposed Reddit writings have been brought up, and it's hard to know what's real and what's not real. So uh, I'm happy. I'm hoping that I have a good grip on. Um, I just have to use my my common sense on what I think is is plausible and what's not. But still, I could be off. I could be wrong. Um, I'm just using what I think is the best information I have at the time. Right. My my thing is that this is a sophisticated guy. He is getting his PhD at the University of Washington or Univ Washington State University, fairly close to Moscow, across the border between Idaho and Washington and Pullman, right? And he was a student at LaSalle underneath Virginia Ramsland, right? Right. Uh, so so right. she's a fairly well-known person, did a book on BTK. Not um, only so did a book has a relationship, according right. to the BTK killer's daughter, has a relationship with him, which I think is very interesting. Now, I'm not very enthusiastic about these so-called psychological experts in criminology. I haven't found too many of them to be all that insightful. Occasionally, you land on one that's really insightful. It's fantastic. But mostly... Um, what I see is a lot of people with hero worship of these killers. And, and maybe it's coming off as hero worship to me and it's intense fascination. But what the BTK killer's daughter described was a kind of calling him up in the jail, real relationship, wrote a book with him, a, a kind of in, intense investment in, the, in this man and his life, even his jail, in his prison life. And what the BTK killer's daughter said about it was she had a serial, serial killer right under her nose and she didn't detect it. What kind of right. criminology, psychology expert is that? Well, she's become kind of like a go-to for these, these uh, events too, though, right? Her name is, let's see if I can remember it. It is... Carrie is her first name. Right. She doesn't go under her father's name. It is Carrie Rossum. Yeah. Yeah. And she's, I think she actually has some very insightful things to say about serial killers uh, and, and her, her father's psychology. And, and, um, and, and what I understand is that Brian Koberger was, is intensely interested in the BTK killer. 
And what interests me about this is what's come out this week is that he, first of all, he set up his coworker by breaking into her home and moving her stuff around. And when this female coworker complained to him that, and not complained, uh, shared that she was scared that her home had been broken into and things had been moved around, he offered to put in a surveillance system for her and did. And got off, I'm sure, on the control of being able to watch her. And so, like so many of these killers did, he started out as kind of like a peeping Tom. And he and it escalated. What also came out this week was that in a house very close to the murder house, there was a suitcase that got stolen from the back of the car. And the woman's underwear was put in the side I don't know which door compartment to left there. And what I'm starting to wonder is, is it reminded me so much of the Canadian uh, killer. Right. Who, that pilot. <laughs> now I'm, for, I just said his name like 30 minutes ago. Well, uh, who broke into women's homes yeah. and put on Russell their Williams. underwear. Stole Russell, their Williams. Underwear. Russell, Russell Williams, Williams. Thank you. If you take, TK Killer also was into wearing female uh, clothes, binding himself up. I am wondering if this is some kind of autogynophilia situation where he gets off on himself, not just as a woman. That's what that means to to sexually get satisfaction from dressing uh, as and seeing and seeing themselves as a submissive woman. Like none of these autogynophiles dress up like, I don't know, Hillary Clinton. Right, they don't <laughs> they dress up like plain libera- librarians, right? right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. they want to be like a, a a demeaned woman, a hooker, a stripper, sexualized and demeaned. That's their vision of womanhood. And I'm wondering if he's getting off on dressing up in these women's clothes. And, this, and I wonder if that underwear is very much like the knife sheath left there by accident like he meant to take it left it because he was so stimulated right very strong control so there's weird things going on around there while he's there in that proximity and that that reminds me of the manson family right the manson family would go in and do this thing called creepy crawling where they would rearrange people's furniture just to, to psychologically you know mentally destabilized them. Actually, they did it in Eastern Germany, too, but uh, it was a means to do that. So maybe that was his thing. And we know he's a night owl. He, like, right. recorded himself running a six-minute mile at 12.45 a.m. So, like, he's out training or doing something. And these murders took place at four. And I have, like, a map of what he drove. Like, they pinged his phone. And he took the most circuitous route back to his place. Like, he drove a half an hour south. 15 minutes west and then another half an hour north. So and then he, he, and, I'm sorry. And he he had visited, they speculate he had visited or stalked this house 12 times is what they, some, that's a rumor. But Before that means that, right. Murder, his phone right. pinged near the murder house 12 yes. times. Right. And so he's coming in as a PhD student. So he has to be coming in in September by November as a PhD student. He's committing this murder right. it is it's, it's it's odd right it's yeah it, very odd like so already. he seems 
And there's also were reports of him being at a bar and asking women questions that were so uncomfortable making that he was kicked out. Things like, do you live alone? Right. <laughs> like, I think he was looking for a victim. I think he was looking to do this. And also, if those are his Reddit posts, they are things like he wanted to talk to killers and right. get inside his mind. So for my view, it seems like it, at one half, he recognizes that there's something very different about him. It, he, I think he feels superior. He was known to like to correct people and be a know-it-all. Um, it, you know, um, you can even see in that video where he's being pulled over by the cops. He thinks if he asks the cop, he, so he pulled out into an intersection when the light was green, the light turned red. And he, and so there he is at a red light having to make a turn. And that's how he got pulled over by the cop. And he's like, what would you have me do? I'm stuck in the middle of the intersection. But his point was like, what do you want me to do? Just sit there and wait and block right. traffic. Right. And her point was don't go out far into the intersection. If you don't, if you can't make that turn, don't, don't go out into the intersection until you can turn. And she had to bring out the whole Idaho law for him to read because he, he was trying to make the point in Pennsylvania. I don't know if we have turn on right in Pennsylvania. That happens to be my home state, but <laughs> I, I don't know what he's talking about. I don't know how he would expect the laws to be that much different than you can um, go on a red light. <laughs> It's just sort of that personality. So I think that part of everybody's talking about the motivation. I think he saw these people who are really beautiful, good looking college students, and he feels so removed from them. There's sort of the incel aspect that these right. women wouldn't give him the time of day. And it looks like life is so much easier for them. And I'm sure in his mind, he feels superior intellectually in every way superior and i think that is his feeling about pretty much everyone in society he's better he knows better his diet is better his extremely strict vegan diet is better um and yeah. uh, so i think that we're all thinking yeah. yeah i think i think he he liked to he, i think he gets sexual satisfaction out of out of murdering women and, and people in general and getting, and he wanted to get away with it. I think that's the closest thing we're going to get to cut some kind of motivation for this crime. Right. Cause somebody like the, the whole, the other weirdness was, is it wasn't reported until 11. Like I heard that there were students at Idaho state who on their kind of like Snapchat, they were saying there were murders that took place at that house. Like they knew the murders took place and before the police were even informed. So I, I, I find them to be very credible. So I think that that's strange. So something was going on at that house that it was either a drug house, a party house, or something was going on. It had to be a party house because you have the one eyewitness who saw what seems to be, obviously Brian Koberger is innocent until proven guilty, but alleged to be Brian Koberger walking by her dressed head to toe in black and that sort of ninja outfit. And either he didn't see her or he didn't feel he could, didn't want to, it was done murdering for the night, whatever the reason was. And that's very interesting that he walked by her and just walked straight out the door or 
the plan was to walk out that door at that time. Who knows? But she didn't call 911 till noon the next day. And they're all up till very late in the evening. And they don't have a lot of adult supervision. So you would think that. And she wasn't. And she thought this uh, Dylan is this woman's name. She also thought she heard one of the victims say somebody is here. And for, it seems like if it were a party house, that would be normal that people would come in and out and maybe even someone a little strange could wander in. And it didn't seem like they had their, um, that they were fully sober, all of those people. Why not? I I think she went, she locked the door. She knew enough. She had enough of a sense to lock the door, but she must have passed out and uh, with the help of some kind of substances to not call. 911 right. the next day is what I'm trying to communicate. Right. And there's been <laughs> allegations that there were, yes. yeah, there were cleanups. They might have been cleaning up the scene or getting rid of evidence or things like that. But the two women who survived there, Dylan Mortensen, Bethany Funk, that was it. Like one of them saw them and went back in her room. But that That's was college. Dylan, you know, yeah. people come and go in those uh, kind of weird frat environment and stuff like that. But there are videos of the two women who were murdered. Uh, two of them were at some kind of like food truck eating at like two or two thirty, so they were out late, part probably partying. Um, yeah, but just very strange, very strange, like uh, things around that they wouldn't call right away. And the scene was super blood, like apparently really gruesome, like up close. But yeah, well, when I went to college, if you went to bed at <laughs> nine or ten o'clock at night, you had to be a really nerdy, studious person. I don't. True. Uh, most know, any... people stayed up very late. We're, we're night owls at that time. We, we even had like a midnight brunch. Uh, I don't know anybody who went to yeah. yeah, I don't know anybody who went to bed before midnight. Honestly, when I was in college, it was very normal to stay up late. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so Koberger's something like people stalking for 12 times. So I would there was a, a rumor that he dipped into like one of the girls' messaging or instant messaging and left. So he may have had the girl on target. Some people speculate he was after one girl, and then the other one somehow got involved. Maddie uh, Mojan, yes. And if you look at her, I mean, she's very blonde, very, very... um, Full of life, smiling all the time, all the pictures. Right. I think that would drive him crazy if you felt like he's got these floaters in his eyes. He's got all these... Problems, visual visual about, snow right? syndrome. Visual snow syndrome. That's what he said. White dots. That's, TV. What do static. you think about that? Do you think that that was real, or do you think that he just I was? I don't there, know. Right, hard to tell. Well, there's there was something posted in Vanity Fair about something on a message board that he talked, and it wasn't good. So I, they've traced it. It says Brian or somebody who shares his photograph, birth date, and email recorded a journey into. Visual snow syndrome and mental deterioration on a message board. And it says, I'm 15 and 21 days and don't want to wish I'm dead because of this horrible thing. Something major is wrong with me. I'm just a blank soul. I used to be a spelling bee champion. My doctor put me on every medication and it made me crazy. I always feel as if I'm not there completely depersonalized mentally. I feel like my life is a movie. I have delusions of grandeur, poor social skills, no emotion. I can say and do whatever I want with little remorse. Everyone hates me pretty much. I am an a-hole. I broke my table for no reason. I find no joy in life. So that sounds like him. That probably, you know, it sounds like somebody who would commit a murder too. Yeah. And I always wonder how much 
that that vegan diet, which unless you're supplementing and there's some controversy on how much those supplements you can really absorb. There's a lot of ex vegans who say at the end of my veganism, I was so unhappy. I was so over emotional. Every, I'm not saying that someone like Brian Koberger would be over emotional, but to the extent that he could feel things um, just you know, very raw. I can see this not helping the situation and it would be interesting to know what drugs he was put on and if he was on any of these kind of SSRI drugs when he committed this. True. Murder. Doctor put me on every medication, so maybe he was on meds. That's, uh, unfortunately, there's a correlation that nobody wants to really acknowledge it, but a lot of these school no. students are on drugs. A, there was a woman, she's passed on, but she spent, her whole life's work was a website called SSRI Stories. And she was it's now continuing on with other people contributing to it, but she would take every news story where someone had done something, committed a crime, committed suicide, et cetera, et cetera, on these kind of drugs. And even I remember Winona Ryder shoplifting <laughs> was, was in there. Yeah. Categorizing them and keeping the news stories. Interesting. There's a lot of stories. There's a lot of stories. And you mentioned earlier that he was on that DeSales, D-E-S-A-L-E-S. He was like looking for criminals, asking him the question like he was trying to learn something. And some of these are also in Vanity Fair. He asked, upon arriving, what steps did you take prior to locating the victim or target? How did you leave the scene? Did you struggle with or fight the victim? Did you prepare for the crime before leaving your home? You know, just and then asking hypothetical uh, questions, talking about their personality traits. I mean, it's something else. He's trying to he's trying to get a a, a thrill from hearing <laughs> hearing right. some other murderer wax poetic about his time killing. It reminded me a little bit of I I spoke with I have a episode called Amanda Knox controls the internet. <laughs> And it actually, I talked to um, Shana, who had, had had an exchange with someone who was arguing with her about him or her was arguing with Shana about the Amanda Knox case and kept asking, well, you can't say what really happened during the murder or how the murder happened, can you? And I think something like that, some very detailed thing about the crime over and over and over again until she finally wrote, Uh, she rightly wrote um, like thanks Amanda and then everything was deleted (laughs) but it's the same kind of thing like wanting to pinpoint wanting to talk about that the moment of of murder and what was going on in your mind trying to like relive every little aspect of it because for these psychopaths it's very enjoyable Right. So he was always different. That was the whole thing. Like he was an ex fat guy too, which is also interesting. So like he went swung all the way back to uh, veganism and losing weight and becoming like Mr. Exercise or whatever. But he seems like a total insult to me. Yeah. He was running. How he was running. He was, he was was timing himself running. Right. At night. Yeah. 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 Wow. It's interesting. I didn't heard that. Yeah, so then look, let's look through some of these slides. Let's see if I can get this. Okay. There's, there's a lot here. Let's see. And you see him in court in those piercing eyes. What did you think of the reason everybody was asking 
in the media why he didn't say, why he didn't give his plea when the judge, which was the greatest name ever, <laughs> Judge Judge, Judge John Judge, judge. So great, you can't forget it. That's too. When weird. he asked, "How do you plea?" he just stayed silent. What do you think that was about? I don't know. I don't know. Why do you think he did that? Why didn't you think he said something? I thought it was a control thing, and I thought also he wanted them, everybody to be talking about it. It's one way to get attention. And two, uh, then Carrie, the BTK killer's daughter, brought up that when her father did it, so the BTK killer did the same thing. It's a very unusual thing to do. Stayed silent and the judge had to put in a plea for him. And same thing with Brian Koberger. He didn't know whether he was going to get a plea right now. They're not sure if the death penalty is going to be on the table. They have a DA who I think is reluctant because once you invite a death, once you make this a death penalty case, I don't know if he's thinking about this, but I am you have death penalty, anti-death penalty money. And that will make him a cause celeb, no matter how bad it is. I mean, I'm thinking of the woman, now I'm forgetting, I'm really having a day for forgetting names. Woman who, in Texas, who, um, she said she was on drugs, but she, she it was like, she it was a, it was a murder with a sledgehammer, really brutal. And she had be, had a, conversion to Christianity, uh, Carla Faye Tucker. So that's one of the worst crimes in the world. Ditto uh, the baby killer we just had. She had, she had advocates and they ended up commuting her sentence. Right. So, that's right. so it looks crazy to think of a campaign for someone like Brian Koberger now when the horror is fresh in our minds and the detail of the crime are fresh in our minds, but give it 20 or 30 years Right. And boy, those details will become much more uh, fluid, fluid, right. changeable, Obscure. malleable. Right. Get certain facts. Down. Right. I don't know. This is a really great video. This is from Coffee Nets on Twitter. I don't know where she got it from, but I'm pretty sure I would say with 95% assurance, Brian Koberger walks through the memorial for these four dead people before he was arrested kind of soaking up the uh, energy it's really something else watch this and he's wearing the same shirt uh as he was when he was arrested with his dad or not arrested when he was pulled over by his dad he was wearing a green shirt mm -hmm. but uh you'll see him walk into the frame from the left to the right that's him wait, wait he's right in the it. foreground he's wearing kind of oh, a bluish gray and i, gray I see this the posture is very weird yeah yeah look at the it's like he walks with his knees yeah, walks with his knees, he's kicking his legs out by himself. So this is hyper creepy. This is also like serial killer murderer behavior, which is visiting the scene of the crime or the memorial. So that's him. If people are watching this on Rockpin, bottom kind of right half side, bottom right half. You know, he also reminds me of is uh, Patrick Bateman from. Wow, that's wild. Yeah, I, I wonder if that's a, he was a big fan of that movie. That but movie he's so skinny. He's so skinny, Roberta. Watch this. If you, I mean, if you see this up close, like I can, he's wearing a jacket over a sweater. He's wearing a jacket over something else with the inside of it. Let me see if I can pull over, pull up yeah. this, like, pull over with his dad. I mean, pull over by his dad. Um, but anyway, that's just that's just another element to the craziness. His dad seems to be the big supporter. His sister had the idea, and I'm not sure which one it was whether it was the 
actress or the uh, school counselor, but one of his sisters had the real hunch that he did this and was going through his car looking for clues. Of course, he was walking around his home in rubber gloves. That right. would not, that's you not unusual. Have, yeah. Right. But his father thought no way, no way could he have done this. And he's certainly very strange on giving all sorts of excuses for why Brian Koberger is uncomfortable with the cops to the cops. And his sister really was looking for evidence. And also he was taking out his trash and putting it in the neighbor's trash, leaving the home at four and four in the morning, just acting suspiciously trying to get rid of all of his DNA evidence. And of course, when they went to his storage locker, it was like a silence of the lambs, seen out of silence of the lambs. They get to the storage locker and it's empty with the door open. But they said there was cobwebs there. So he may not have been able to have just removed all the things out of it. But uh, many people were saying, people crazy. like I was thinking, well, cobwebs, how clean is that storage space? supposed to be was he supposed to be cleaning those cobwebs cobwebs over what in the corner where where are they talking about cobwebs wow it's crazy so if you see so if you remember we just watched him walk through that uh memorial he's wearing the same jacket with some kind of internal shirt as he's driving with his dad it's weird Mm -hmm. like you can see it here he's wearing a jacket on with a shirt and it seems like it's sunny too so that's that same kind of same kind of high collared jacket that he was wearing in the memorial. Did so you see his dad's weird outfit? No, I did not. What, what about it? He was just wearing one a hat with those like flaps over it, and then hmm. completely inappropriately dressed, in my opinion, for court. Jeans, a shirt uh, with no collar, and this weird flat hat with the flaps. I guess. Um, like a hunting hat, I guess that would be flaps over the ears. He looked like out of some kind of Jim Carrey movie or something, just odd, really odd. And then there's the sister with braids, like very fanciful, like her childish, fanciful, cute, cute, but not to for court, right? You know, it's like the whole right, not dressed not down. The mother, right? The mother, the sister, and the the father seem completely inappropriately dressed for the occasion. This is their family member. Right. Just been uh, indicted. They had to travel there, right? Yeah, yeah. I just didn't know what was going on with that. But I I think maybe they're just not familiar with the court. I don't know. Who knows? But you know you're going to be photographed and you wear that. I don't know. Yeah, the whole country's watching it. True crime's the number one genre. Everybody on true crime is trying to speculate get views, do all that other stuff. So it's like, what are you thinking? Right. I'm just, I know that a lot of people are saying, you know, maybe he didn't do it. Maybe he's innocent, but they have him driving away from the scene of the crime. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? I mean, you could say obviously that he was doing something else, uh, I heard from a video that someone mentioned that there's a problems with the DNA. I don't know if they mean problems with the DNA in that they finally got some DNA from his trash before they arrested him, but it was his father's DNA. But if how we indicted the Golden State Killer 
from probably, they never tell you how they do it, but from these ancestor websites, probably his second cousin twice removed, I think his father's DNA is going to be good enough, I would think, for the jury. I don't think that's a problem, but there's other problems that I don't know about. I'll be interested to hear it. But there's just a lot, it seems like there's a lot of evidence against him. And even he seems like he's slowly, perhaps coming to some kind of revelation that he might, I don't think he will take a deal, but might have to consider taking a deal. That would be the benefit of bringing out the death penalty would be to try to force his hand into a deal. But he's going to have to feel in control of any deal that they make. I mean, this is a guy with, who loves violating women's spaces, (laughs) killing, killing women, killing people. That's that's you know he's, he's he, being investigated for other other deaths. There's deaths around in Pennsylvania. They're they're looking into. There might be something suspicious in Washington. So there's reports out there of them looking around at this guy. So so even I, I just like wonder what's going on with the father when you're watching your son walking around with gloves in the home, taking out his trash. I mean, I don't know if he's seeing all this, but clearly you're seeing the gloves. If the police are watching him come out of his home with gloves on clearly someone and clearly someone in the family has to be noticed we know the daughter did we have to think that the father noticed that his son's walking around in rubber gloves what is he telling him he's worried about covid but he's not enough to wear a mask all the time so it's just interesting the amount this is the same week that brian laundry uh, Gabby Petito's murderer, his mother, his mother's letter, full letter was released to the press and public and can be used in that civil lawsuit. And that letter was like a fan letter to her son. If you say you hate my guts, I'll get new guts. If you get arrested and uh, or get convicted, I don't know exactly what she said. I'm just talking off the top of my head to give you the sense. I'll bake you a cake with a file in it. I mean, this goes beyond parenthood. This is like extreme, like a fan. That's all I can think. Like a fan or a lover or some kind of obsessive fan or obsessive lover. It's really odd. So it's like we're moving into a a different kind of parenting. You know, I mean, parenting really changed from the way I was parented and the way my younger friends were parented. It's already a huge difference. And I noticed when I watch my friends parent is very, very different. I was never asked what I want for dinner. We all had dinner as a family. If you didn't like it, you ate it. That was it. Or you went hungry, right? But it's just kind of like this this kind of feeling that we give these kids agency. We raise them in a different way. And I think we're seeing some of the consequences of that. I agree. I agree. It was strange. The Petito case is very weird laundry. And they tried to suppress that letter too, right? They didn't yes, and the mother who basically made no st- one state, very few statements to the press through her lawyer, and that's what that civil case is going to be a very, in- I'm very interesting civil case. I'm not too interested in our civil courts, but that's a case I think could be a real precedent type case with that. Basically, they're saying that they're responsible for the. The emotional hurt, right? The emotional hurt. And some of, 
because uh, they went out and said, we don't, we hope that Gabby's returned safely when they're writing that kind of a letter, we think, or um, not being honest about his whereabouts, basically aiding and embedding their fugitive son. Yeah, I wonder what the causes of action are on that, like uh, what the what the civil causes of action are. Yeah, I can't remember if it's just emotional damage or if you're right, if it's some kind of aiding and abetting or let it, you know, type of um, complaint in that right. civil case. But I, I'm going to be watching that. I think that's a very interesting case. Very interesting. I'm trying to remember I did this one book about the parents who got sued and lost because they didn't have their son under control and he murdered somebody it was in the, it's the same woman that wrote about Eiler, the Eiler murder case. God, I can't remember her name, but yeah, that's an interesting case. That was one of the first times the parents had civil liability. You know, um, Trench Reynolds was, he really, uh, he's a blogger. And an occasional podcaster, you know, I'm talking. He's a what yeah, fellow. He's, he's in abomination. He's in abomination. I say. Oh yeah, and he was doing great stuff on the Columbine parents, and so when um, the Columbine mother tried to reinvent herself when she was first asked if her son uh, had if if he was a, if he was interested in firearms. And she first told the cops no, and then she corrected herself like a second or two later and said, oh, he was obsessed with guns. <laughs> oh, no, but first she said he's obsessed with guns, and then, she, and then she said, no, no, not at all. She changed her story on a dime, and now her new story is that her son was depressed, and that was really just a, a, a roundabout way to commit suicide. It basically, it's kind of like a... I don't know. I think he wrote some very interesting, deep things about that relationship and how she's presenting herself now. Uh, oh, the other one, his his the whole house was supposed to have spelled like gasoline, and they're like taking Dylan, like was taking a big that day a big, what do you call it, um, suitcase full of guns out the door, and his mom doesn't say hey, like dragging it, couldn't even lift it. The mom doesn't say anything. Like, right, that's so strange. There? They yeah. were like building ahead of a bomb-making factory in their garage, and their parents didn't. Right, that's like, the oh, other, hey, guys, the well, you've got some gas cans and gasoline and a bunch of, uh, right. you know, black powder. Hmm. Oh, well, you must be just uh, building a birdcage. Uh, when, when, when they did catch him making pipe bombs, he, the punishment was to go, the father went up to the mountains with him, and, and they they lit them up. Yeah, that's a so it just seems like this the idea book I'm trying to remember, Robert, uh, is I Am Cain uh -huh. by Geraldine Kulerick. So people can go back in my catalog and listen to that. That's interesting. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. I think that um, the relationship between the parents and these psychopaths is, is very important. And uh, fellow true crime researcher is really, really insightful on, on it. And it's getting me to pay closer attention to the relationships between the parents and these yeah. and the family and these psychopaths, really. I mean, this is like a classic by the book. I mean, American Psycho, to, that's, it really reminds you of that. Right. And the fact that he's operating over like jurisdictional lines too, 
is interesting. Like he might have, he must have known he was passing from Washington into Idaho, and just moving across country like a serial killer does. You know? And yet we don't hear about him crossing state lines. <laughs> no, we <laughs> like don't. We did with the Kyle Rittenhouse, right? Right. Very good point. But this guy Eiler, who uh, Eugene Geraldine uh, Kolarik talked about, he was deliberately crossing the state lines between. Illinois and Ohio to commit his crimes to confuse police back in the day. I don't know if that would still work, but um, yeah. So these slides, I mean, this is it. He and uh, Koberger got let go for being a teaching assistant. Did you hear that? Yes. Yes. You was first really difficult and not letting anyone, uh, not giving out any kind of fair grades, like being too harsh. And then I think this is my opinion when he, when he, got really interested in murder in in planning this murder he started giving everyone a's like don't bother me nobody can criticize me now you all have a's no matter what you're doing just leave me alone let me go plan my murder out wow and i heard that he was under investigation before the murders for inappropriately staring at people did you hear that thought i would that sounds that sounds about right asking inappropriate questions Staring at, uh, staring at, and he also wanted, did you hear about his internship at the police department? Tell me about it. Yeah, Yeah, it was a flying for an internship at the police department. Very prestigious one. It was up, I think it was between him and four other people. I can, I don't know if this murder and his arrest or I don't know when they were going to make that decision. The police, the Poland police, but he, he applied for it and uh i think that's interesting like he wanted to be very close to the police he wanted to be very close to killers he wanted i think that he wanted to commit a uh he wanted to kill and get away with it like they all that's what he was learning yeah he was learning for it right who was the serial killer out of uh santa cruz who did that he was good friends with the police he would go to the police bars it was kemper Kemper, the high IQ, he is scary. His interviews, like, it's you almost want to like him from his interviews because he's very polite. He's he's incredibly articulate. Yeah, and he can get you to see how he was thinking at the time, even if it's incredibly psychopathic thinking. And and honest, and so you kind of want to like him, and then you have to like pull back and say, this guy's really dangerous. He was a, he was a teen killer. Um, of his grandparents. Right, of his grandparents. They yeah. let him out. Yeah. No, he is and, a terrifying person. He has like a 150 IQ or something like that. Like, no, just like Eccles. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. I thought Eccles was 210, just like uh, Nexium guy. <laughs> no, I thought he said 150 or 165. Remember that? It was like some Facebook post. Um, Oh gosh. He's even with my 150 or 165 IQ, he's the one that loves it. So, what do you Kemper. think this thing about getting uh, the parents to testify it, right. about Dana Smithers, who was murdered, it, and her body was um, found? Never found, May. right? Or was it, it was found or found, never? Yeah, May of 2022. Wow. Or did she disappear May 22? Anyways, I believe it was just. She disappeared May 22, and I believe her body was just found 
I may be wrong. I'll have to look that. into that. But that's one. I mean, there's a lot of strange things about this. The other, that's one. I don't know. What are your thoughts about that? Well, my theory on it is I could be way off. And this is the thing with this gag order. <laughs> I mean, we're going on very shoestring information. I would think that they knew, knew that he wasn't involved in it. They're either doing, they could be doing two things. Uh, one, they could be trying to be thorough so that the online armchair detectives or a, or, or his lawyer or an appeal or anything could somehow connect this murder and say, see, I don't know somehow clear him from it and say he had nothing to do with it and then um, dispel rumors. Or the other thing is that the parents may not be cooperative with this investigation at all. And it was a way to get some kind of information that they needed. And that's, a, that's the theory I lean towards. Wow. Crazy. So it's a legal way to get them to cooperate and without having to wait to bring, to pull them into court. That makes sense, and maybe just to see what they what they were like in an interview, right? Just in anything, what did they right. know about him in the past? They could be fishing for information right. and trying to find. But if I had to guess, I bet there's some piece of information that they really think they 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 want to know that they think parents could provide. It would be interesting when that's everything's being done in secret, secret juries, so it's hard to know. Right. Yeah, there's a lot. And that really fuels the conspiracy theorists, too. So I've had people say to me, this guy doesn't have anything to do with it. They pinned it on him. But they can't say they pinned it on him too fast, right? Because everybody was right. frustrated that it was taking so long. And they were calling them Keystone Cops. They really deserve an apology uh, for that. For anybody who called these Keystone Cops, Bumbling Cops, Conan this is the opposite of a tunnel vision investigation. They really, they slowly took their time when they found out who it is, they played their cards close to the vest. And I believe they got the right person, but I could be wrong. I haven't seen all the evidence. Uh, maybe Either the evidence is really weak. Maybe it just sounds really strong to have the, have him caught on tape, right? Driving away from the scene of the murders and then have him return the next morning. That's the other thing. Right. I think he was returning for that knife sheath. I think he knew he messed up and seeing if maybe he could get in. It was right. Right. Like thinking. he's stalking and then going to the memorial and just being around. Like the whole thing is around. He doesn't go to school there, right? But he's somehow at the yeah. memorial. That's Jody Aria sent flowers, remember, to really? Alexander's oh, family. Really they like to do that. And I, and that's my theory as to why they like to pick out stepfathers or family members as the real killer, because those are their, A, they're their greatest opposition, but two, that they can re-victimize the victim all over again through their family right. and increase the suffering and they get joy out of that. You know, we always project our self onto these killers, but... Their souls are, we're thankfully very different. Yeah, very different. Right. They, they have different. a different outlook. Yeah. Inflicting pain, punishment. Yeah. They, it's a, you know, it's like a hunter's mentality or something, something like that. Like, oh, I like to get kill these things. And it's, I get, you know, a charge out of it and it's a body count and all that stuff. 
That's why they're serial killers, right? Let's right. go through these slides. So this is one that they said from him. This was one of his posts on Reddit. So this is kind of like, my name is Brian. I'm inviting you to participate in a research project that seeks to understand how emotions and psychological traits influence decision-making when committing a crime. That's for him, right? Like that's right. the dual purpose of this whole thing. That's him at the bottom. Student investigator, Brian Koberger at BK5781 to sales EDU. That's his, that's his, that's his email address is BK. Yeah, isn't that weird? Oh, Brian Koberger. It's not BTK. Right, okay. That's where I'm going. Okay. So oh, then, all I heard was BTK. Right. So then this is the whole thing, like the cover-up before the call. We talked about that. This is Hudson Lindau, who I mentioned earlier. The title of this article is, How Did Hudson Lindau Die? Another University of Idaho student's death this year sparked speculation. So they need to investigate. This is a classic smiley face killer MO for this guy. And we'll see why that's important when you get into um, – into some of these pictures that I'll show you, which okay. you might find very interesting. But this is another Reddit thing about Hudson Lindau. I think which site was that on? It was the Moscow Murders Reddit. And this is the so he drowned in this lake right here during the during the summer. Actually, this is winter. But this right. somebody that walked looks out. Treacherous, there. yeah, like it's a treacherous terrifying. walk that yeah. someone could fall into. Literally, I mean, God, it's probably for people who don't have a visual. It looks like you could just step like a wide step across it. Looks like. But you right. can see this if people want to. But you to. could see, you could, I mean, I see that I could fall in there. And there was a very, uh, about maybe 15 years ago, there was a woman in my hometown who's a bartender, walked home to the, over the bridge to the next town where she lived. And she was very, very drunk. And she disappeared. Everyone was looking for her, this kind of missing person case. And they eventually found her in the canal. She had fallen and slipped. But in this case, you can see that he's an equal opportunist. I think he, I think um, he seems to really hone in on pretty women. But he, he's happy to kill um, a, a man too. I don't, don't think these psychopaths really have a sexuality. For them, it's all about power and control. Power and control. Right? And you see this kind of. You know, thing with Chris Watts, men coming forward saying they had a relationship. Um, yeah, he had two gay know, lovers. Right, uh, but a lot of people will argue till they're blue in the face. Well, a lot of the female true crime researchers, which I find very interesting, will reject that offhand, while not criticizing <laughs> some other female witnesses who came forward who have a much. I'm not saying they have a fake story, but a much thinner story. So it's interesting. And also he was caught with, um, you know, the telltale Vaseline in his other man's underwear in his cell, that kind of stuff. Basically. Oh, wow. Ooh. Yeah. So I think that, yeah. But would you say that he would be, isn't the smiley face killer's theory, is the, isn't it that there, it's some kind of network? Yes, absolutely. So and we'll get into that, this oh, criminally sorry. sophisticated. He's criminally sophisticated. Mm-hmm. It's no question. I mean, I don't know what happened on the night of these murders, what happened back on the 13th of November, 2022, but I think he's probably, he's got other, you know, he's hunted other people. I think he was 28, he's 28 when he got arrested, so they got to walk this guy back and see what he's up to. But you can go check out this Hudson, Hudson Lindau uh, uh, video. It's Hudson Lindau found dead in Creek, Moscow, Idaho. You can check it out. And so this is actually a picture of Lindau 
at the same, I think he was at the same party on the same night, the night that he died, these girls were at a party with him. Is that crazy? I think Sigma Kai. What do you mean, these girls? The girls who were murdered were murdered. Okay, that's what I thought you meant. I'm just double checking. Just double checking. Yeah, no, that this is what this says. I'll have to pull this up. But it's hard to know with their face blacked out, right? Yeah, I was just wondering why they blocked out their faces, right? I don't know. I'm trying to prove that. It seems so weird. But maybe since I have questions, Moscow law enforcement has been running with this whole nothing like this has ever happened here narrative. So, does anyone care to explain this? U of I student Hudson Linda was found dead in Paradise Creek. On May 1st, 2022. Very interesting date, too, by the way. Look up May 1st for occultists. You read that right. Another student from U of I died earlier this year. Context. On 4-30-2022, the night before, Delta Tau Delta had held its 90th annual ball. Zana, Maddie, Jake, and JS were all in attendance. Hudson's body was found the next morning in the creek right outside Creek Row. Creek, Creek Row, excuse me. Hudson's death was ruled an accidental drowning. Could mean literally nothing, but also here's a picture of Hudson outside the girl's house. So that's, he's at their house. Mm. And a map to see where his body was found in relationship to the frat sororities. One of Hudson's friends blurred on the photo is Delta Tau Delta president. The same frat JS was supposedly kicked out of. And riddle me this, where are all the stories on this investigation? Police immediately said there was no foul play upon finding his body. How? What led him to ending up in the creek that night? Everyone was just like he drowned and moved on. Not trying to create conspiracy theories here, but for a small town, there sure are some crazy coincidences. Make it make sense. Well, I I have a little bit of a beef with that because it just because I, I have I'm not saying that he couldn't have been murdered, but that's very different than four people slaughtered uh, with a knife. So right. I wouldn't say that this is the same kind of crime. If you're, no, they concluded not. that he that it's a slip and fall. Of course, they're not. The townspeople aren't going to have the same reaction to someone who got very drunk and had a tragic accident to four people who were murdered with a knife. Right. That's what happened. It's just if you want to dig in deeper. This is a really gnarly picture. I got this from Daily Mail, but the, there was so bloody. You can see the bloody blood seeped down. From the floor and outside onto the cement. Is that crazy? It says blood drips down the outside Whoa. of the wall of the house the four student, students shared. <gasps> Investigators That's describe awful. it as the worst crime scene they have ever seen. It's awful. It's like crazy? you think about, I was thinking about lately, all, all the people that this affects. Yeah, the whole family. The, I mean, the, the, the police need therapy. The, the families, the family members, the, the friends, friends, the, the school. teachers, yeah. right? I, you really, and for for a psychopath, that must make you feel like a god. Maybe so. And then this, you'd mentioned the move stuff around, right? The creepy crawling. So that was mentioned in a recent video from the two a week ago, May twenty second. And this is uh, Lauren says, "OMG, BK." installed a video security system in a woman's apartment after she suffered a break-in that he allegedly may have orchestrated. So this is the real kicker. So this is from Mordecai on on Twitter, right? Mm -hmm. And it reads here, you can see Brian Koberger with that same outfit, right? The weird 
green jacket with the internal big. Look at his pallor of his skin. Right, but look at this like this uh, high. Looks so unhealthy. Yeah, I don't know if that's color. a filter or what. I mean, hard to tell. I don't but know either. He never but looks is... like well, you know. No, he doesn't look well. Floored to see Brian Koberger giving Charles Manson's one finger protest sign in the thread. I've included images of Manson family and associates doing the same. So this like ties him into Manson's ideas. If he's doing the creepy crawly thing and then blaming it on other people, that's what Manson people did. You can look it up. It's in Manson. Right. And then even after they killed the La Biancas, they, they drank their chocolate milk and ate their food. It's like, it's a power thing, right? It's right, right. It's just like an extra element of violation of their space and and taking, you know, all oh, oh, can take what you want. I mean, honestly, this Brian Koberger thing made me really think about how how really this is a very important fight for, for women to keep our, our spaces single sex, you know, to keep the laws so that we have some kind of spaces that cannot be invaded where we're vulnerable and block right. and stuff. I mean, it's such a, it's such a, just a human thing to, to want to have privacy and to make change the laws so they can legally be violated by right. some men fed, um, and fed, fetishistic. Uh, oh my, how do I say that? Fetishistic. Like fetishistic. Thank you. Thank you. Um, men is even worse. So. Yeah, yeah, and that seems like, like you said, that seems like Koberger. That was part of his his deal. That's what I think, but we'll we'll have to wait and see if it we'll ever comes out. out. It might, I'm still that, waiting that, to find out how Epstein made his money. And I watched, I went to almost all of Ghislaine Maxwell's trial, and I never heard it once, and neither did anyone else. It never came up once how he made his millions with his seven twenty seven plane and all this other. Stuff. Half a Let billion. Me... They said his net worth was five hundred million or something like that. That was his known assets. Those were up above surface assets. He was a money launderer, so who knows? Uh, yeah, so this did is you squeaky... see that you've seen those pictures, right? Of his of his Miami home and the his ugly seen a lot of stuff. Furnishings, yeah. His Just furnishings, his dentist chair, his weird. He had yeah. some kind of weird thing with his teeth. He had some kind of insecurity or something with his teeth. That's why he had that dentist chair. He must have like had a dentist come in to treat him or something. That's why you never see him really. Oh, was it really? Oh, I thought it was some sort of like medical fetish thing. <laughs> I don't know. I think that he were he had some kind of tooth. Right. He, he wasn't secure about his teeth. So, so he had like a dentist for... come in and he would like. That's what I think. Yeah, that's my. That's really? My that's that's yeah, interesting. Absolutely. Go watch well, him his... in all his pictures. He's always doing a closed mouth smile. Or he always has his mouth closed. Almost never opens his mouth. And there's only that one time that I've seen him with an open mouth smile. It's with Trump when he's clowning around with Trump, staring at a bunch of uh, cheerleaders and stuff. Boy, they look friendly and intimate with each other there, don't you? Did you sure see the, when Bill Clinton was asked about Epstein? And he gives him this look like, oh, you rascal. Have you seen that? I just no. saw that for the first time the other night. Because I'm always complaining Bill Clinton is never asked about Epstein. <laughs> and it just happened to come up in my feed where he's being asked about Epstein. He's like, and he said, I think the record speaks for itself. And I was like, yeah, it sure does, Bill Clinton. I think that was his right. final answer. Yeah. Look at her. What does that mean? What is that? It's just symbol? some kind of one thing symbol that they have. I don't forgot its meaning, but they're doing it at Squeaky From. 
and I forgot who the other person is there, but they're. Oh, I know that that blue. What is that woman? She's she's really creepy. She's even she's Squeaky Prom is kind of entertaining, although creepy. But that woman. This is is the guy who dated uh, Zena Levey, so he dated Anton Levey's daughter, Nicholas Schreier. That's right. Yes, he's a big Satanist. Yeah. Yeah. He's what's his name's son, right? Or he says he is. No, he doesn't. He's married to her. That's right. He was, or at some point. But they were all part of this, like Wolf uh, Werewolf Club and stuff. But that other guy who's like, uh, I forgot what it was. Rape, revolt against penis envy. He was all involved with all weird stuff. And then there's this other weird thing. There's like other people who might have been involved in the drug. Somebody speculated Emma Bailey and Demetrius Robinson. They were collect connected to the killing due to DoorDash. Somebody connected them, which is crazy. And there was a death associated with Yeah, that's with gra- drugs. grasping. It's yeah, it's grasping. They look like they are like to have a good time. Like, I mean, what? How many college students that age aren't doing? I mean, what are you calling drugs? And how heavy and w- to what extent aren't doing drugs in this day and age? That aren't. I mean, I'm so saying that they don't look like they're heavy, heavy, super. They look like they have a healthy social life. They don't. Look, what I'm saying yeah. is they don't look like they have their nose in a book 24 seven. Just they from definitely what their don't. friends have said about them, and the react. You know. And then there's this other guy, Kopaka. Have you ever heard the Kopaka Brent Kopaka theory? Who. Uh, that there might be a connection between them and that he may be a, an accomplice. And then he dies conveniently in December. So not that long ago, six months ago, he died. This guy, but, you know, I mean, it'd be interesting when his cell phone records come out. This guy doesn't look like he has a friend in the world. No, totally. I know there was that one woman who gave an interview and said it was awful that her, that Brian she just knew him and i'm want to make sure i'm pretty sure that was an interview about brian koberger i have my cases mixed up right here's the, what uh, you mentioned the right. uh, testify before a grand jury right. in pennsylvania mm-hmm. a case related to a woman went missing in may 2022. but she said something interesting that friend she said it was nothing crazy uh and i was like oh that's interesting was there something crazy whenever anybody ever tells me something in the negative i'm always I always wonder what they're what they what they're trying to say by that. Was this guy was he telling his fantasies or were they sharing some kind of strange murderous fantasies? Was he playing along? I don't know. He doesn't know. seem like he trusts anybody. Not even his I, I, closest thing. I wonder is if his father knew anything. His father was any kind of confidant, but I don't think he looks like a kind of guy to trust anyone. And and you heard about. Yeah, we talked about that story with his coworker. So even people he sees every day, he's he he he's happy to violate them and victimize them. Interesting. This is the rumored uh, pseudonym he used, Papa Roger, online. Right. Really mm-hmm. interesting. And then it, somebody says Sleuthy. Well, at this point, Steve had already said they were both in the same bed. Papa Roger guessed which room was wrong. I had a feeling long before he said it. So he's in there talking about the crime after the crime as a, on a pseudonym so maybe that'll pop up in um uh court here it is i can't remember where i got this he slid into one of the girls dms basically it was just him saying hey how are you but he did it again and again so 
I've had that quite a few times. I've had people can either connect it to the case very closely, comment on my videos in a Interesting. very negative way, a very negative way, of course, they're unhappy. But like in a really aggressive, aggressive, you know, wanting to start something. Right. So it's kind of interesting. You never think when you make these, you never think anybody's going to come. You never think that Brian Koberger would be out there doing this kind of stuff if he really wanted to make the perfect murder. But he was happy. He felt confident with the alias. And I don't know. What do you think Just of VPN whatever. or something else? Some other kind yeah. of. And this is his weird driving all day. Like they're pinging him going from Moscow all the way down south through Genesee to Clarkston, then back up instead of just a straight, you know, east west, right. you know, five mile, if that. Uh, right. Travel and he had just Moscow. gotten new license plates for his car a couple weeks before. Super sus. Yeah, super sus. And then they're like, the defense is trying to reach out to Bethany Funk, one of the survivors, which I don't know why they're doing that, which is weird. This is the visual snow stuff that he was talking about. He talks about migraines preventing him from being able to remember things and how this erased his memory. Like, that's weird. So that's the whole thing. We can read all that. I can't remember anything recent or anything from childhood. I used to be able to remember everything from my childhood and everything every day month before me now i am just a blank soul living in the now that's great maybe it's all the drugs he was taking well i mean <laughs> i, I can't even I've no, yeah it's very it's like he's decided it's like he's made it to me when i hear that i see you're, this is a guy who's created a persona and he's got the most obscure illnesses the hard to find and he's not like, he just wants to let everyone know he's not like anyone else. I have right. visual snow. I have the discipline to be a really strict vegan. I don't kill animals with, for my food like the rest of, like we have for hundreds of years. I can live on this kind of new diet. I can, I can go into your home and move your stuff around. You won't even know it. And I can watch you and laugh at you and have control and, and see what you do, manipulate you, and you won't even know it. That's what I right. see in him, just extreme joy in feeling better than others, feeling... And, and like, people remarked upon that. Manipulating yeah. them. Yeah. They said that he was, like, all mind when he was talking to people. He wasn't trying to meet them on an emotional or friendly level. It was always, like clicking analytics and he was trying to beat win him over that's what one of the people who observed him said his personality was like and this is detached suspect in idaho murders studied under famed criminologists so we talked about that earlier this is from daily beast i mean this is book. really like the plot of i mean of a movie yeah like a Isn't book it? right yeah mm -hmm. like i'm i'm teaching my student about criminology he's going to be the best criminologist and then he becomes a serial killer he gets in, and then he, he 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 does the most notorious, famous, brutal right. murders. Maybe that state has ever one of them that has ever seen, and the whole country's up. And maybe and, and it's international news. International, too. right, right. Like maybe that's why that, he did it. He's wearing a, a. He's being treated like a VIP. He's wearing a. 
a protective vest. He gets escorted everywhere. He gets his own TV in his cell. And apparently he likes to watch news reports about himself. So that's what made me think that he would enjoy and laughing at us saying, I, I, you know, trying to figure out why he didn't put in his plea to something to sort of screw with people. I don't think he's worried about voice identification that was brought up because he said things in court, not guilty, guilty. He's on tape a billion times in that traffic thing. Um, Dylan can hear him talk. Any kind of witness can hear him talk and in those videos. So I don't think he's covering his voice to right. to try to get out of some kind of identifi- witness identification. I think right, it's either a video, he wants to make right. a deal or he's, uh, yeah, go ahead. Right. Oh, here's the, like the thing about his mystery storage unit that was cleaned out. Mm-hmm. There he is with his dad pulled over in Indiana on the road trip, which is super sus, but that was it. They're just like little things we were kind of talking about. What did you think of that when you watched that pullover by the cops? I know it's hard to hear all of it, but what did you think of it? It's weird. Like, I thought it was strange. Like, he might have known at that time that somebody was watching him because it was a phony pullover, right? What what was the pretext for He's tailgating. Like, and he kept being pulled over for the same thing, which is another violation of someone's space on the road <laughs> again wow. it's like he can't help himself, can't help himself. he knows I mean, he should be getting hints i don't think he i'm not sure he was getting a hint that he was being watched at that point i just think he was nervous around i think he knew the possibility was there but i'm not sure I'm not sure what he knew at that point Interesting. I guess just, we'll find out as more more of the facts come out. I mean, they're they're actually going to give him a speedy trial. Like I think it's scheduled for like October or something, right? Yeah, but so, they always, you know, they always say this. Nexium was like this in the beginning. You know, Keith Ranieri's trial and at all, and before all the the other co defendants took plea deals, they were saying that, and then it always gets delayed. I can't see this going to trial in October. But it would be great if it did. And my understanding is that they're going to let cameras in the court, but they're not. It's not going to be in real time. So that if anything out of control happens, if he, I don't know, stands up and gives the victim's family the finger, they can not air that live or not air that at all, have the option. So it would be a really interesting trial. And I think that's the first time any of us are going to hear most of the evidence because there is going to be no, uh, you know, my understanding is that um, there is going to be no kind of evidentiary hearing. Wow. Interesting. No, I mean, is there any, we, I've pretty much done. Is there anything you'd like to add? Anything I missed or anything you want to finish with? No, I, I think that it's very interesting that his mentor professor has stayed very silent and she's not giving interviews about this uh, uh, and not said anything about Brian Koberger at all. I wonder I'd what heard, that's like. Yeah, oh, I heard through the grapevine that she was terrified and really sad. I think somebody said that in, through one of the videos, but who knows? I don't think she's put out a public statement, not to my knowledge. Mm. But yeah, no, he's, I think they're going to find it. I don't play- think this was his first one. I don't think this was. You're playing with fire. I feel like all these experts who 
anyone, uh, the woman who wrote the book for Chris Watts, anytime you're making deals with these criminals, uh, bring the son of Sam law back, <laughs> you know, uh, you know, Henry Hill got rid of the son of Sam law, the, the one that the Goodfellas is based on the mobster, the low level mobster, the Goodfellas, or it was originally a book called with Nick Pelagic called wise guys. They wanted to make it into a movie and the son of Sam laws was stopping that. So the publishing house challenged that and we no longer have some son of Sam laws. So any criminal can benefit as much as they can off of their murder. And I think that's really wrong. So I think that there's, as an expert, you lose your objectivity. I think there's something really wrong with a lot of these experts that they want to be hanging out and calling these psychopaths in jail. And uh, I found it interesting that the BTK killer's daughter, Carrie, said she doesn't talk to her at all. Uh, hmm. This expert who's so close with her father. I think that you can't, you can't be an objective watcher at a certain point. And I don't think these people want to be. I think they get so excited. I, I did a show on Dorothy Otnall Lewis, who just testified uh, in another trial of a stepmother who murdered her, uh, you know, murdered her um, stepchild. And she testified and said she was a multiple. And she, did. I mean, that's her big thing that all these serial killers have a combination uh, of trauma and brain damage and become multiples and don't, you know, basically aren't responsible for their, their crimes in some way. Hmm. And she was very taped Ted Bundy. And you can see in this doc documentary, she's saying to her son, be careful with how you handle those Ted Bundy tapes as if they were the hope diamond. There's something else going on sometimes with these experts is what I'm saying an attachment and excitement. And I often wonder if there's some kind of identification are some of these experts psychopaths themselves? I mean, look at Brian Koberger. He was on his way to being a have a PhD in criminal criminology. He was already already had a master's. He was already an expert himself. And we don't. It's an uncomfortable topic, but I think we should start uh, bringing it out into the open and discussing it. Right. I mean, and some of these people are adored, like they're infallible. They're almost like a priest class. And uh, I don't know if that's really true. Like on my, I was disabused of that notion, just looking over John Douglas's stuff or Ken Lanning, actually, for that matter. Right. And Lanning is still around. He popped up just recently. But, you know, there's obviously satanic motivated crimes. And he's just like, oh, no. still saying <laughs> the same thing. Satanic panic. Oh, no, their favorite is uh, con confirmation bias. Like you're just confirming your own internal bias, even though there's external facts and evidence that took place before I even decided to even look into it. Right. Mm -hmm. So like, it's almost like some kind of failure to look at objective reality. Like, wow. Cause these are cases like you can go through the Ripper crew, West Memphis three. I mean, the list is so long, but like ignoring that involvement, I think is, uh, I think it's probably politics involvement. Yeah, but I mean, you look at even uh, someone who was one of those smiley face killer investigators is now shilling for Rodney Reed. Wow. One of the guiltiest right. guys out there. Gannon. Gannon's out there. Gannon, yeah. Gannon thank you. Yeah. So it's like they can be good on one case and then uh, um, 
I, they hit hard times. I don't know what happens to some of these ex FBI or ex, right. you know, people. I, I don't know what, but they seem to be able to be bought by either side. Well, that's, that's another scary question: is that they might be generally uh, from the defense? Yeah. Yeah. So prosecution might be doesn't bought. have much money to buy, buy. Right. I'm sure that the money is very good, and if you're not saying that this proves that Rodney Reed is innocent. The Innocence Project isn't interested in paying. So Right. Well, that's the interesting thing. We know from the war chest, West Memphis 3, for example, the war chest was 10 to $20 million. And according to his own statement, Douglas was instrumental in convincing the parents that it was somebody else. He was the one who went and talked to them and said, hey, we found something. It can't be these guys. So he was yep. an instrument. And that was confused the living daylights out of everybody who was analyzing the West Memphis 3. He's like, well, the parents say that. It didn't, it wasn't them. Like they got turned. Well, they got turned, you know, somebody yep. got turned and how turned. much stuff was getting paid. So if are these is in our society, is our, are we in an ideal society where ex policemen, FBI agents, analysts can be bought and sold to promote innocence fraud or promote somebody who's been convicted? Mm-hmm. Right? Oh, yeah. we, is that an ideal society? I know it's happening. No, obviously. Why should no. that be legal? Why shouldn't they say that I'm getting paid? They should be an automatic. If they work for the government and have the benefit of a government salary, government training, government experience, and they're going out talking to people, they and they're doing it secretly with money that they're not disclosing and probably a private contract, I think that should be illegal. I think they should say, I'm actually a shill for these guys and I'm getting paid. Mm-hmm. I think that should be yeah. a law. I don't think that's a stretch because they, yeah. they're 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 sullying the entire like, culture. It's horrible. Like, I don't know if Gannon's going to. I mean, we can talk offline about these guys, but uh, yeah. Yeah. I'll I tell you, let's ask, finish. I have something it. to I'll, ask you offline. Right. Me too. I, 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 I'll talk about these guys offline because I know a lot more than maybe the public, but you, you got to be kind of uh, wary. Of I used to get this. I have found it's an appeal to authority that seems to work. Uh, Same thing with the parents. Well, if the parents think that if one parent thinks that or one or two parents thinks that the West Memphis three aren't guilty, I get that uh, off. uh, Not often. I get that. I would say I've gotten it a bunch in my comment section. What's wrong with you? And that's why they do it. That's why they do it is because it's it's very, very it's a heavy uh, hitter for their side to have the parents. Right. And I mean, imagine that you're kind of like a lower middle class person, no education. And John Douglas shows up from the FBI to tell you something like you're probably in a state of, you know, not really fighting back. I would be. I would be like, sure. Right. boss, But now I know a lot more. I'm much more seasoned. But, you know, in a certain environment, some guy shows up and says, hey, I got evidence that contradicts this. You just go, OK, you're from the FBI. Right. Well, I mean, I can't really blame him. Nope, not at all. And 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 how successful has profiling been? Good I know point. John Douglas had had a, a really good insight into the Atlanta child murders when he said that the culprit had to be black himself, or he would have stuck out. That was his, and it caused a lot of uproar. But finally, it, 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 it should be right. But how? Yeah. I mean, how how. How much is profiling used and how helpful is it and where has it been really effective? I mean, didn't we have a profile out of the Golden State Killer for decades and nothing right. went with it? 
You know what I mean? Right. I heard that Douglas bungled the Green River. Somebody told me he yes, bungled the Green River time. profile. Yeah. yeah. So big that time. shows you it's more art than science, probably. But uh, it's a kind of a known fact among serial killers that they operate among amongst their own ethnic kind of crew, generally. Uh, just but like then you see the behavioral the behavioral panel, and I'm not sure <laughs> sure about these behavior experts and facial reading, right. uh, you body, know, the Paul, body right. language. Paul he's Ekman, taking, right. he's made he's a career out of it. Nobody can replicate his <laughs> his uh, technique. Right. Is what I, I is what I understand with any kind of um, meaningful results that are better than chance is what I uh, is what I understand. But I mean, I, I'm not an expert on that subject. But it just well, we, seems like there's so many of them in America. If you declare yourself something, you know, I mean, they're the, well, true, right? You can. I mean, anybody can call themselves well, like a profiler or whatever. Right. No, it's really true. It's interesting you say that because just looking through the co-worker material on YouTube and trying to do some research, I found a whole new suite of people. I'd never heard their names before. So they're experts talking about co-worker, huge followings, big YouTube channels. Oh, I'm like, who's this guy? Who's this guy? Who's this guy? I don't know some of these people. Madonna or some some guy with them. There was one woman I read, one expert who said that co-worker became a vegan uh, because he was... afraid of his own cannibalistic side now he may have a cannibalistic side but i don't think that uh his veganism (laughs) came out of uh came out of that from what he says on reddit was concerned for his health but more than that i think it's so he can (laughs) virtue signal to the world that he's superior seems so obvious to me isn't that part of veganism is to just prove how much better you are than other people isn't that part of it? It's mm-hmm. like being like an ex-junkie or something. Like, hey, I well, they're pushing it in New York. They're 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 feeding children vegan meals in public schools here on Fridays, which basically means the kids, most of the kids, don't eat <laughs> because they won't eat it. So, or whatever, they go somewhere else. But it's just this like extreme push on this. Uh, you know, I, I just find it very interesting. I got very interested in the subject of, of veganism from. And, and what it might do, to, uh, the kind of ability of humans to eat this diet at any kind of length. Because the Nexium trial, I saw Allison Mack and the devotees come in from a low calorie. And this is not fair to veganism in that it was an extremely low calorie vegan diet. But they were like a shade of gray and yellow that I have yeah. never seen in a human being before and emaciated. Yeah. And when you see that in person, it piques your interest. Yeah. Or it did mine. Is this working? Is this really working? Where can people find your stuff, Roberta? A Roberta Glass True Crime Report. Come join my Facebook group. Join the discussion in there. I'm at Twitter, at Roberta Glass Pod. YouTube, at Roberta Glass True Crime Report. And um, I'm on anywhere where you can hear a um, podcast. Support my Patreon throw a chip tip in the tip jar at buy me a coffee support my work thanks so much it's always yeah. it's always so much fun to talk to you yeah likewise it's great to uh, talk with you again it's been too long but uh, i think we'll be watching this coburger case so uh, thanks for listening thanks everybody bye yeah. bye stay there stay.